0: Hey, really glad that you could join us today. I don't know about you, but I woke up this week to the sound of hope. It was indeed a delightful change. When I was asleep in my bed, instead of the hum of the air conditioner, I heard the roar of thunder. And where there's thunder, there's rain. There's a chance of rain and i whipped open the curtains and i saw the rains coming down from the sky washing the dust off of the cars turning the brown sky blue and i remember driving seeing buildings highlighted against a blue sky i saw buildings i can't even remember the last time i saw them from those vantage points i was driving in dubai and i thought ah i love this place you know There's something about change that can be quite delightful. And maybe you're joining us from the United Arab Emirates or you're joining us from other parts of the world. That's the benefit we get of living in the desert, is that when there's change like rain, we delight in it. In fact, some people say that we're afraid of change. Some people say that we don't like change. Maybe you've thought that yourself you don't really like change or you're scared. Actually, we don't fear change, we fear loss. Deep down, we're actually all waiting to change. We're waiting for the world to change. We call positive change uh, transformation. We're longing for that change in personal circumstances, like a new job or a new relationship, or maybe someone you're in a relationship with, you want them to change. We're longing for a change in world news. A change that shows a decrease in conflict instead of continued atrocities or change in news from home instead of our family and friends being in need that they would have plenty. We're looking for a change in our family, in our job. We're looking for changes in the next city that we'll live in that will excite us with growth. We're looking for a change in our schedules so we get less busy or even a change in our physical bodies. Maybe you're looking to lose weight or healing from your aches or chronic pains. Maybe you're just looking to get ripped in the gym. <laughs> Whatever it is, there's a problem with all the changes that we want to see. You see, the problem with change is change. <laughs> That's right. Even if something changes for the better, it still is temporary. Changes are temporary. They're te- they're temporary alterations to life. But what we need is not just change, because if we're only hoping for change, even that will change. (laughs) That relationship status that we look forward to changing can soon be the relationship we're in looking for someone else to change. (laughs) That change in job that we think life will get better with a new boss, we realize the old boss wasn't really that bad. (laughs) The change in a new city or that change in a new lifestyle, whatever it is, even the change in the gym, doesn't last forever. And so today, we're going to look about true transformation, not just simple change. Today, we're going to see the transformational power of Jesus. It's in the book of Acts in the Bible. And what we're going to see in Acts chapter 9, we're going to see two stories of true transformation. Change for the better that lasts. We're gonna see uh, this guy named Saul and we're gonna see in the story of Saul how his encounter with Jesus transforms him. Let's read in the book of Acts as we see this man named Saul who was on the hunt for heresy. I mean, he was against anybody who followed Jesus. He was on his way to a city called Damascus. So as he's on the journey to Damascus, let's read Acts chapter 9 starting with verse 1. But Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord went to the high priest and he asked him for letters. He asked him for the letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found anybody belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed all around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and Enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. Well, the men who were traveling with him, stood; spe- they stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So, they led him by the hand, and brought him into Damascus. And for three days, he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. So let's think about for a second about Saul's background and why he was on the road to Damascus. I mean, he was in the middle of nowhere and he actively preserved and protected the religious traditions of his forefathers. He considered himself an Orthodox Jew, zealously committed to eradicating apostasy. He became a member of the Pharisaic sect and he took it upon himself to persecute the Christian church, particularly Christians in Damascus. I mean, Paul was on a hunt for heresy. He was on a search for anyone that opposed his way of following empty religion. But then all of a sudden, in the middle of nowhere, this bright light just flashed and blinded him. Way brighter than a, a camera flash in the dark. And he couldn't see anything. Saul, who was at one point a leader of leaders, is now lost in the wilderness. There were no people movers, escalators, or taxis in the wilderness. (laughs) The road to Damascus was plagued by dangers, robbers, and uneven terrain. And then Jesus says to rise. (laughs) But Saul can't even see to move forward. He can't go into the city without help. I mean, Saul is leading the way to persecute Christians, but he has to be led by the hand. And for three days, he's completely blind. I mean, three whole days of wondering if he will ever see again. Three days to think about this Jesus whom he just met. Three days to worry if he will ever see again. Three days to wait on God to meet him in his brokenness and despair in hopes of healing and repair. You see, Jesus' encounters are transformative An encounter with Jesus is the sovereignty of God stopping a path, rerouting momentum, and then reordering priorities. Saul must have thought, I can't do it on my own. Have you had that encounter with Jesus? I mean, have you encountered Jesus in a way that has transformed your life? You know, two weeks ago, a woman named Victoria came up to me after the service and she asked questions about joining the church or starting over. But as we talked, it was so clear to me that she was having a Jesus encounter right then and there. With tears in her eyes, she said, I came to church today because this week God has shown me that everything I have tried to change in my life that I've tried New Age movements, speaking manifestations into my life, living holy for myself, trying to be good, all of that. God has shown me this week that when I look in the mirror, I am nothing that I have told myself I am. And I am everything I've told myself that I'm not. And with tears welling up in her eyes, she said desperately, I have nothing I can do for God. I have nothing that I can give. And with a small smile on my face i said that's exactly where god wants you today there are no requirements for you to fulfill jesus has paid the price for your sin he has paid it all there is nothing more beautiful than the free gift of god's grace and forgiveness wow when victoria heard this good news of god's grace She put her trust in Jesus right then and there as her Lord and Savior. And she moved from a new friend to a new sister in the family of Jesus. (laughs) Just, in fact, this morning, uh, because she has been transformed by Jesus, she wanted to make a public proclamation of Jesus. And just this morning, she was baptized Yeah, that's right. That's right. Praise God. In the chat section, type, praise God. Her life has been transformed and she made that public profession. We thank God that transformative in Jesus encounters still happen today. You know, encountering and believing in Jesus is the only source of true transformation because he is the only one that addresses our deepest need. He rescues us from ourselves. Our biggest problem is that we think that we can change ourselves. We think that if I work hard enough that I can be better, but we'll never be perfect. And that change doesn't last. We feel more secure when we align with a powerful person thinking that lasting change is possible with this new boss, this new leader, this new influential friend, but people let us down no matter how powerful they are. You know, we know that we aren't perfect. In fact, some things are quite embarrassing. And we're tempted to think, if I can just work hard at covering up my mistakes or the mistakes of my family, then I'll be okay. But shame has a way of leaking out at the worst time. Because we can't fix our own mistakes, we find ourselves constantly looking and longing for change. That is one micro step better than our current reality, but constantly fearing that our guilt our shame, our powerlessness will surface. Are you tired of shame management? Are you tired of faulty, self-righteous pursuits? Are you looking for true transformation? Well, look no further than Jesus. Jesus rescues us because only he can right wrongs by living a perfect life. Only he can cover the shame of the world by his own death, paying for our sins. And only he has the power to conquer death proven by his resurrection. Jesus transforms lives. But he doesn't transform lives to be kept silent. No, his work is not to thrust people into do not disturb mode or disappearing messages. No. No. No, no, no. We are transformed by Jesus to do the work of Jesus. Did you get that? We are transformed by Jesus to do the work of Jesus. And actually, you remember, we're going to look at two stories of transformation. The first story where we see actual true transformation is not Saul. We'll get to him in just a bit, but a guy named Ananias. Ananias lived in Damascus, the very same city Saul was headed to in his hunt for heresy before meeting Jesus, and Ananias was going about everyday life in Damascus as a new follower of Jesus. His life had been transformed by the good news of Jesus. And let's look now and see Ananias, how he was transformed by Jesus to do the work of Jesus. It starts in verse 10. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he said, Here I am, Lord, Ananias answered. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Ooh! Can you imagine that? That vision from God saying, Wait a second, wait a second. God, you you gave a vision to Saul. Saul knows Saul knows my name, Lord? You told him my name too? You said a guy named Ananias will lay hand. I have to touch this guy? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. And look, even though Ananias was scared to love, follow, share Jesus, look at his response. He says, Lord, I have heard from many about this man. I don't even have to look him up on LinkedIn. He says, Lord, I've heard many, many things about this man. How much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. God, do everyone knows how dangerous this Saul is? No way. And then look at God's response in 15. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. What would you do? In that moment. I mean, Ananias knew that he was transformed by Jesus, but what would you do if you knew the stakes were so high? (laughs) Well, Ananias knew this truth that he had been transformed by Jesus to do the work of Jesus. So look at his response. He says, so it says, so Ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, brother Saul, The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. And then he rose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. Did you catch all that? Did you catch all that? How Ananias could love, follow, and share Jesus boldly. He came to the place where Saul was. He laid hands on him. He doesn't call him enemy, he calls him brother. He says, Jesus sent me so that you can regain sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, when we see as God sees, we can do as God says. When we see as God sees, we can do as God says, and the result of Ananias doing what God says is that immediately Paul or Saul was healed and immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, he regained his sight. And then, not only that, he knew he had been transformed by Jesus to do the work of Jesus. He wanted to make this public, so he was baptized, he took food, he was strengthened, and then Saul starts to go around and share Jesus with others that he was just set out to persecute. That's right, he's so transformed by Jesus that he goes and he knows that he loves Jesus, He follows Jesus, and so he shares Jesus with anybody and everybody that will listen. But they're a little skeptical. (laughs) They're a little skeptical. Uh, Look in verse 19. It says, some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately Saul proclaims Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem? Of those who called upon his name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ." And just look at this transformation. Saul in Jerusalem uh, got the letters together so that he could go to Damascus and that he could bring them, anybody who follows Jesus, bound. He could bring them away to Jerusalem. But then in verse 23, we see that the very people that Saul was once for, persecuting followers of Jesus, now he's with the followers of Jesus and people are looking to kill him. Look in verse 23, it says, When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. I mean, look at Saul's transformation. (laughs) You see, he originally was looking for any belonging to the way, men or women, that he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And then he's actually trying to join this very group that he was trying to persecute. Verse 26 says, when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. Well, they're not idiots. (laughs) They knew who Saul was. (laughs) They didn't necessarily believe his transformation. And so, They didn't believe that he was a disciple. They were all afraid of him. But then Barnabas speaks up. Barnabas speaks up and he takes Saul and he brings him to the apostles and he declares to them that on the road, how Saul had seen Jesus, who had spoke to him, and then how at Damascus, Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. And so Saul went in and out among them in Jerusalem and he was preaching boldly in the name of Jesus. Wow, just look at that transformation. Knows that he's transformed by Jesus to do the work of Jesus. Look at that, he, he went in and out among them at Jerusalem preaching boldly in the name of the Lord and he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists But they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. You see, Saul had been transformed by Jesus to do the work of Jesus. Saul knew the consequences. He knew what the consequences would be. He watched over the stoning of Stephen just a couple chapters back. But he still spoke up. He disputed against the Hellenists even though they were seeking to kill him. And then that's why they brought him down to Caesarea and they sent him off to Tarsus. You see, when we see as God sees, we can do as God says. Maybe you've had a transformative encounter with the truth of Jesus and you know, yes, I've been transformed by Jesus. In fact, if that's you, if you have had a transformative encounter with Jesus, just give a thumbs up in the chat. Let us know how God has moved you from death into life. How maybe spiritually you were blind, but now you can see. Just write it out that there was once a time in your life where you were walking in death, but now you walk in life. Whatever that is, remember that we are transformed by Jesus to do the work of Jesus. We have been transformed, but we also need that constant transformation. You see, we need the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to help us to see, because sometimes, even though we've been moved from darkness into light, we still act blind. There's so many ways the Holy Spirit continually transforms us to look more like Jesus, And often we focus on our external behavior, or we try and do more good things than bad things, or we try and do fewer bad things altogether. But you see, our actions flow from our thoughts, and our thoughts flow from our beliefs about who we are and who God is. Who you are has been radically transformed by Jesus. Remember, when we see as God sees, we can do as God says. So today, let's just remind ourselves of God's truth. Because at the end of this service, you're going to log off, you're going to close your window, you're going to go back to everyday life, and you will be so tempted to walk like someone who is blind to who God has made you in Christ. Let's remember to see as God sees. And a lot of that has to do with what we believe about ourselves. Without Jesus, We fear corruption or being bad or being shameful. We're always worried that we're going to get in trouble or found out. Without Jesus, we do fear being bad. But with Jesus, know that you are declared, God says, you are good. Without Jesus, we can find ourselves scrambling to try and help everybody in search of love. And we start questioning, do people really love me or do they just love the help I can provide? And we fear that inner voice saying, I feel unloved. But with Jesus, you are wanted and loved. Without Jesus, we stumble around in the blindness of searching after our own achievements or successes, and we think the only worth or value I have in life is working hard, achieving that goal, or being seen as successful, especially in global cities where hard work is, is richly rewarded. Sometimes we can pay with seeing ourselves through the eyes of someone other than Jesus. Know that if you've had a transformative work in Jesus, if you put your trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your value is not in your job, your promotion, what money you send home. No, no, no. Know that with Jesus, you are loved for simply being you. Without Jesus, we can blindly stumble and think that I'm worried about being helpless or incapable, but also we know our own our own desires, our own needs, we can feel like a burden to other people. No, no, no. With Jesus, your needs are not a problem. No, you are not a burden. In fact, Jesus' burden is light. Find rest in Him. Without Jesus, we can find ourselves acting blind and stumbling around being worried that we're without support or guidance when we really need it. Know that in Jesus, see as God sees and know that you are safe. We can find ourselves stumbling around Looking for significance or trying to find comfort, and we can find ourselves wrapped up without Jesus, that we fear being trapped in pain or discomfort, or we're driven by the fear of missing out. And if FOMO has its talons in your heart, know that with Jesus, you will be taken care of and you are not missing out on anything because you have been transformed by the one who has created everything. We are transformed by Jesus to do the work of Jesus. And I look forward to our future as God continues to transform us. I mean, as we live in cities of constant change, it's really good to know that Jesus' true transformation lasts in our hearts. And as we see as God sees, we can do as God says, and then we get amazing results. And I am so excited about these results for us. In verse 31, just look at these results. It says, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace, you want some peace? And was being built up, and walking in the fear of the Lord, this healthy reverence of God, and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Did did you get that? Peace being built up, walking in the fear of the Lord, and comfort in the Holy Spirit, the church multiplied. I look forward to what God is going to do in and through us, knowing that we have been transformed by Jesus to do the work of Jesus. Let's take a moment out and pray that God would continue to open our eyes to the transformation that he has done in our hearts through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we're really thankful for this reminder because so many times we can be caught up in all the unknown changes that we miss this true transformation of the heart that Jesus has done in us. And I confess to you, there are times that I walk as one without sight, running in fear or anxiety. And I simply want you to transform my heart, Father continually open my eyes. Help me to see as you see. Show us all how you have transformed us. We look forward to how you will use us in the coming days and weeks to share the good news of Jesus and to live out this transformation so that others can see you. We pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.